Last week we talked about the importance of the word in terms of it is a lamp unto my feet, how God wants us to use his word. Today we just want to talk about, and I'm just going to share some verses with you on the assurance of the word of God. The assurance of the word of God. Amen. It's good to know that we have assurance, that we can trust, that we can lean on, that we can depend on, that we have an anchor in the Word of God. I was share with the Sunday school class this morning, when I look at those giant ships, when I look at those uh, Navy air, aircraft carriers and the, the tourists, the boats that they put on when they go travel, when I look at those boats, how big and massive they are, and yet that one anchor on that ship drops down into the ocean and holds that ship in place. That's an amazing thing to me. Um, and I always go back to, though, as I was telling them, I go back to the anchor that we have as Christian people is the Word of God. The song said it. I have an anchor, steadfast, unmovable, that lies within the Word of God, that in those moments in my life, I can trust the Word of God. I have the assurance of the word. Second Peter chapter 1, 16 through uh, 21. For we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you. Oh, I'm sorry. For we do not follow the cleverly devised myths when we have made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But, by, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice that was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for you are with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture came from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for your word. Pray that you would strengthen us to value your word. And may we trust and know the assurance that we have in your word. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. The word of God. How many of you could say that there's sometimes that some people have given you their word and you found out that you cannot trust their word. I promise, I will, we are going to, whatever, whatever. And in the end, what happens is that doesn't come to fruition. I'm here to tell all of us that we can trust the word of God. And I'm going to share with you, I highlight for you some verses so you can write these down and go back to them later. It's really going to be simple that we will just share with you some verses that talk about the assurance of the word. Number one is a familiar passage of Scripture, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, 
but have eternal life. The assurance of God's word. Those words that were spoken right there, we can have the assurance that whoever believes in him, Christ, should not perish, but have eternal life. 1 John 5, 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. To know you're saved, to know you have eternal life is something you can actually know for yourself. You don't have to leave it up to, I think I am, I think I might be. No, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that we can have the assurance because of what the Word of God says. John 5, 24. Truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. You have eternal life based on the hearing of the word and the belief in him who sent Christ. If you believe that, you have eternal life. He does not come to to judgment, but has passed from death to life. Hebrews 10.22 Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. For with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with a pure word. We have that assurance of faith because of what he has done. Philippians 1.6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. If you're saved, Christ is working on you and I every day. And that verse says, I am sure of this, Paul says, that he, Christ, who has begun a good work, if our work of sanctification is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment, lifetime process. We are under construction. We're not perfect. We're not all that we should be. But thank God we're not what we used to be. He's working on us. And that verse says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Whatever God wants you and I am to be, he's working on us so that in the end, we will be everything he wants us to be. 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life. Why? Because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. It's pretty powerful. We have to know that we are to love our brothers and sisters. And that goes without saying because it's not based upon what they do for us. We're to love them even if they don't do what we think they should be doing. And that's not an easy thing to do. For me to love you, Sister Mariana, and I know it's hard for you to love me, but we're duty-bound to love one another. It's not she does everything that I want her to do or or I do everything she wants me to do. It's because of our love of Christ. The love of Christ constrains us that we are to love one another. And for so many of us, our love is based upon the conditions of people doing what we think they ought to do for us. The love of God, the love that God gives for us, is that we are to love no matter what the conditions are. And that's not an easy thing to do. Because when somebody doesn't do what you and I think they should do, sometimes we are so easy to turn our love off. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
We have been justified. We have been made right by our faith in Christ Jesus. Amen? And that's a good thing. The justification of God is God makes us right with him by what Christ has done for us. John 10, 28 says, I give them life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. The assurance of our salvation is that we are not even able to pluck our own selves out of the hand of God. Christ says, I give. I give them. Talking about us. I give them eternal life. And know this, they will never perish. Nor will, nor, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. You're not going to perish. Will we die? Yes. But the death of a believer is a sweet thing because when we pass from this life to the next life, we get to go into the very presence of God. I don't, I, 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 when it comes to fearing death, I don't know how I'm going to die, but I can't dwell on that. But I know that however that may come about, that when I do die, my ultimate state will be I'll be in the presence of Christ. I'll be in the presence of the Lord, be in heaven, be with him for all eternity. And that's a good thing. Because I would rather die knowing that no matter how it happens, that when I come, when I breathe this last breath, the moment I do that, the moment I'm with the Lord. That's my assurance. And that comes out of that verse that he says, I give them eternal life. I have eternal life because Christ gives it to me. And I will never perish because I'm not and no one else can snatch me out of his hand. You may not think I'm saved. You may not think I have Christ-like. You may think I'm on my way to hell whatever. But I don't, I'm not dependent on what you think. I'm dependent on what Christ has already done for me. 1 John 5, 11 through 13 says, and this is the testimony. What? That God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. That's pretty simple. And whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You have to know this for yourself. What? John makes it clear. This is the testimony. What is it? God gave us eternal life. Life of a different kind. Life everlasting. See, eternal life is not just living forever. It's a different type of life. That eternal life. And how is that life shown? That life is in his son, Jesus Christ. Whoever has the son. If you have him today, you have life. If you don't have the son, you don't have life. And it just makes it clear. The assurance is this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know. Not a constant, a knowledge of deep-seated understanding and able to work through it so that you know for yourself. There's one thing to say, I know the sun is shining outside. But when you know all the different aspects of how the sun 
operates and what it does. Now you really know. That's what he wants for us. He wants us to really know that we have eternal life. 1 John 2, 3. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Keep the commands of God. How do you know you're saved? Because you have a desire to follow and do the things of God. If you're saved today or say you're saved today and have no desire to follow and obey the commands of God, then you have to question the fact whether you're saved at all. Because it's an impossibility to have Christ in your life to be saved and not want to obey what his word, his will, and his way is. If you have no desire to be obedient to the things of Christ, you need to check up on yourself. Here's a good one. James 4, 7. In terms of our assurance, how do you accomplish what I just Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Line up under. Submit. Say, God, you're the ruler. You're the one that have first place in my life. I get my directions for my life from you. Submit. Line up under to God. And then here's the other part. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Sometimes you just have to resist the devil. He's going to tell you, you know, this is really nice. This is really good. I know you really want to do it. And your body and your mind saying to you, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, baby bubba. This is what I want to do. No, 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 no. That's what the body and the mind might say. But the Spirit of God that is in you ought to be saying, resist, flee, run away. And that's sometimes not an easy thing to do. Sometimes our flesh likes things, likes to do things, likes to participate in things that feel good, but really aren't with something we ought to do. I always think of Joseph with Mrs. Potiphar. Joseph was a handsome-looking guy. Well built, had the six pack, sister singer, hair was nice and shiny, the teeth was bright and white, smelled good, looked good, had a position of power and authority in the house of Potiphar, understood his place in the in the household. He was there, he was taking care of all of Potiphar's business. He took over, he had every control of everything Potiphar had except for one thing. And that was his wife. Potiphar said, Everything in my house is yours. You take care of it. You pay the bills. You do this. You make sure the, the servants and this. Everything that runs this, you run the household. No thing you don't have any control over is Mrs. Which lets me know that Mr. Potiphar didn't control Mrs. Potiphar as well as he should have because when Mrs. Potiphar saw Joseph, she said to herself, mm, mm, mm. Mm. That Hebrew slave walking in here, look at that. Look at that. My God, I need to, I want him. He carries himself well. He speaks well. He's respectful. Mm. How can I get him? And every day, she made up front to come to Joseph and try to say, you know, Joseph, I know you, you know you want to, yeah, baby, come on now, Joseph. Joseph would not do it. He was a man of integrity. I don't know. Is somebody, male or female, if whoever in your mind's eye, ladies, that guy that you see, be he live and in person, 
in Wilmington or wherever or some guy you see in the movies or on television and you just say, man, and I'm telling you what, if Idris Abbott was to come up to me <laughs> and some other of these guys that, you know, I don't know. You know, all he's got to do is say, hey, how are you? I just melt. I get tickled when people talk about the president, you know. They talk about his swag. Is he ever watching him walk? I mean, he, you know, he's got that. Ladies, all rise. Everybody, please stand for the president of the United States. And he walks in. Some, oh, my God. He just, if only I could be Michelle for a day. Or men, the most beautiful woman that we can think of. Whoever that might be. Whoever, you know, ooh. This is what Joseph was under. And yet, at the moment, read that account. I was reading that today, uh, yesterday, and I was thinking, even though she had everybody out of the household, they were close enough so that when she accused Joseph, because Joseph, when she tried to lay hold of him, but he kept saying no, she reached out and grabbed him. He left his coat. She left his coat behind. And then she said, by the way, that Hebrew slave, he tried to. See, sometimes you need to do the right thing. This is why I try to tell my kids sometimes. Sometimes you will do the right thing and face bad consequences. Joseph did right by fleeing and getting away. But he was thrown into jail for a few years because of his obedience and his integrity. That's not an easy thing to reconcile. Because I did the right thing, yeah. But I'm in jail. Yes, sir. But it all worked out because God has a plan. Amen? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He says in 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8, talking to Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. There comes a time when we have to understand, as Paul was getting ready to end his life, I have fought the good fight. Could you say that? Could I say that? That if, I, if the Lord was to get ready to call me home, could I say, I have fought the good fight? I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And because I've did that, there is a crown of righteousness that awaits me. And one thing about the crowns that we get, the rewards we get, we don't get to keep them. We got to give them back. Why? Because whatever I've, if I've kept the faith, if I finished my race, if I fought the good fight, I can't do that on my own. I need the power of God in me. You ever think about that? What will be your legacy? What will happen? What will people say about you and I when we die? When you're, if you're saved, most of us I think in here are saved, when you're with the Lord and your body is lying here or wherever, you have a memorial service, however you do your thing, what will people say about you? You ever, you ever take time to think about that? Well, they say she was really a great person. She was really nice. You want people to, a eulogy is designed for people to speak well of the person. How will you be eulogized? Well, they say you were, you know, people can lie. 
you know. He was a really a fantastic person. They could say that, and people sit down in the congregation or in the audience go, they don't know him that well. He never did that. Oh, no. You know. But I think about that. What's, what, what, what's going to be left behind after I'm gone? John 1.12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Do you not count it a privilege to know that we are children of God? Somebody says, I don't want to be a child of God. I want to be a child of, of uh, Bill Gates, Donald Trump, whoever. Somebody with money. Because that way I have all this money to spend. You know what? I'd rather be a child of God. Because God owns everything. God's going to take care of me. God's going to provide for me. God's going to be the one that when nobody else can have. Listen, you can have all the money in the world and can't buy happiness. You can have all the money in the world and not buy health and strength. You can have all the money in the world and not have peace of mind. I was sharing with Brother Randy prior to his retirement. I told him, I said, you know what? If you retire, you have to have something to do. You got to have something. I mean, you just can't retire and just you're at home twiddling your thumbs, that gets old. You, better, you would do better staying at work than just coming home and going, okay, today's Monday. <sighs> Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and for months you just don't know what to do. You'll waste away. But there's got to be something for you to fulfill your time with. Because it's not, what did they say, an idle mind is the devil's workshop? You can only watch so, many, so much of Mari Povich and Oprah. You can only watch so much of, of the cooking shows and the housing shows and, and Steve Harvey. and all. You can only watch so much of that stuff. You can only watch so many sports shows. So if you're going to re- retire, have something that you can give your life to outside of retirement. It's funny because everybody says, man, you retired. You're retired. I said, no, I'm not retired. I left UPS. There's a difference. Retirement is when you don't have, you're able to do things on your own time. If I got up tomorrow and say I'm going to Florida, I'm going to be in Florida, California, Vegas, wherever I want to go. Say, Jill, let's go to, let's go see Pastor Bell down in Dallas. You can just take off. That's retirement. Not to have the worry of. Amen? I'm happy for Brother Randy. We should be happy for Brother Randy. Pray for him. Amen? Now he's got some time. So now he can't tell secret he has no time. <laughs> Last but not least, Romans 5 8. But God shows his love for us. God loves us. How did he show his love for us? In that while we were sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, Romans 5, 8. To think that God loved me enough that when I was an unbeliever, when I was an enemy of God, when I didn't have God in my mind, when what I deserved was death, hell, death, grave, and hell, 
He loved me enough that he would die for me. That's heavy. Because I didn't deserve it, but he did. How much, of a, how much the love that Christ has for me ought to be the same love we have towards one another. See, if I really love you, I have to be willing to give of myself. And sometimes that is sacrificially. It's easy to say, you know, I'll be there. But when an opportunity comes to be there, here's what we say. This is not a convenient time for me to be there. Brother Mill says, Pastor, I, I tell Brother Mill, Brother, whatever you need, I'll be right there. And then he calls me on a Monday or Tuesday, whatever day, he needs something. And I'm looking at my schedule and I go, this is not a convenient time for me to be going to help Brother Milk. Could I say that? Yes, I could. Have I said that? Yes, I have. But my real love for him would be, you know what? He needs me. I'm going to be there. If it means driving to Central State, I will drive to Central State. If it means going wherever, if you need me, I will be there. And it may not be convenient, but I will be there. I'll get there somehow, some way. Say, like, okay. And sometimes, you know, I think about that. Somebody might call from wherever and say, Pastor, we really need you to come wherever. Come to Arkansas. What? Arkansas? Okay. I said, well, I got to go to Arkansas. Don't know how I'm going to get there. Gas up the van or whatever, drive. Well, I will be in Arkansas. You say you need. That's true love. Just think what God does for us. We did not deserve it, but he died for us. And we were not even people that he really, when he looked at us, God said, no, you're an enemy of mine. But he still loved us enough that he sent his son. And his son gave his life. For what? For people like you and me. I'm a firm believer. I don't have to tell us how bad we are. We already know how bad we are just by ourselves. I can tell you about myself. Yeah, I know I'm messed up. But thanks be to God. He's working on me day by day. If you're here today and don't even know the Lord, you know what? This will be the best time to say, you know what? When I look at my life, I want that assurance. I want to know that he died for me. I've been living my life for myself. Because in the end, I thought, when I die, there ain't nobody I can talk to. But ultimately, we have to talk and give an account to God. Best decision I've ever made. We talked about it in Sunday school. What's the best choice, decision you ever made in your life? One of them, I know for a fact, is my relationship with Jesus. The day I finally said yes to him was the best day in my life.